You've just found your way to CX in the Wild, Season 2, where Dennis Wakabayashi is again on safari around the world, capturing candid conversations with the leading executives in the customer experience and marketing industries. And now, let's step into this episode of CX in the Wild. All right, another episode of CX in the Wild here with Neil Top. Is that, is that the right? You pronounce it beautiful. Neil Top. Neil, we've been uh, seeing each other on the internet for a while. We, I put you in the CX Hall of Fame, and here's the thing, bro. You know, I think when when we uh, when you first got in, in, in mentioned, you reached out to me and said, "Hey, thanks," and I just needed to tell you. I didn't pick you. There were people, third parties, who reached out to me and said, what do you know about Neil? You've got to put this guy in there. So that's kind of how I did some research, and then we started a dialogue. Since then, I've been an admirer of some of the things you've been doing. We've been talking about maybe doing some collaborations. It makes total sense to have you on the show. Now that I've said that, tell us who you are and what do you do. Dennis, thank you. It's an honor to... Uh, be in the wild and CX wild with you. Uh, although we've been in the same circles for for quite some time, you're right. Uh, the moment that I opened up, whether it was Instagram or LinkedIn or whatever it was, and I saw my face in the CX Hall of Fame, I thought, oh my god, I made it. I'm 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 somehow somebody. Like someone actually paid attention to the stuff that I'm doing, and uh, I was I was honored, um, especially because I didn't know you. I knew of you. But I didn't know you, and I didn't know that anyone was really paying attention to my work at that level. And so I, it was it was a privilege and honor, and I, I appreciated that. What I do is not for recognition. It's because I love what I do and have fun doing it and hopefully can make a bit of a difference. But that I was recognized by you, I really appreciate it. You're right. We've we've uh, we spent some time together uh, talking, collaborating, planning some things, and I, I really look forward to those. But running into you at these events and getting to see you in your wild and in your element has been a privilege. And I get to see what you excel at, and and it creates an exciting path and thoughts of collaborations and things that I can learn from and and, and model in our in our own operation. What I do. Well, thank you. Tell me about your operations and your day to day and your your global um your global movement for CX. I think just to contextualize it, certainly I do my my industry chores in in the business, and I try to keep an eye eyes and ears out in the industry. But as you know, I've started to reach out internationally, and so I'm paying a little bit uh, more attention to those who are expanding globally. I think I like that because it opens up cultures and opens up business. I think globalization for me is a philosophical reach for a greater humanity. I know that's pretty meta, but you know, I'm I'm always trying to be involved or watch or recognize people who are doing more than just trying to sell at home, if that makes sense. Tell us about your business. Yeah. And- that, that, thank you for that. So you're right. Um, the focus of our business has always been outside the U.S. We are a uh, business process outsourcer. Some people call us the, the call center guys or the contact center guys. We help companies, mostly in the U.S., interact with their customers. We help companies acquire customers. We help them retain and uh, resolve customer problems. 
But the way the where of where we do that has always been outside the U.S. So we've always been globally focused. But not in your typical markets. Like I talk to a lot of BPOs, and you're not in the same place. We're not correct. Well, you know, most people when they think about out, BPOs outside the U.S., they think probably first of India and then next the Philippines. We are not in either of those markets. They're both wonderful markets. They're, they're amazing countries and and have their own unique stories. Um, I'm fans of, of them, especially India, by the way. Uh, but um, we have always, in the last 17 years, operated out of Colombia in South America, way before Colombia was on the radar of international BPO service delivery options. And why is that? How did that even happen? Uh, my partner Andres and I realized that Colombia offered a unique combination of geographic proximity to the U.S., cultural proximity to the U.S., uh, cultural traits of orientation towards service, helping people, resolution, and just being good citizens. Uh, there was a hunger to work and develop business that we found that was quite unique in Colombia. And then additionally, on top of all of those amazing things, we, there was a cost structure that was also appropriate uh, for what uh, companies were looking for in the near short market. But, yeah, so those were your, that was your recognition. But then you found that to be true. Like, I've never been in that market. So, you know, I think about, and not to be culturally uh, uh, insensitive or, or whatever, because I always hate it when people like think all Asians are the same, being Japanese myself. But, but when I think of Colombia or I look at like Brazil, I've done some work in Brazil. So I know that Brazil leapfrogged a lot of tech infrastructure by being so mobile centric and accelerating quickly. I know that the, uh, the culture is a is is conducive for customer a resolution or empowerment so of uh, and so i guess empowerment in terms of solving problems they're great problem solvers so is that the same in colombia or it's, it's a fascinating question you're so right so when people think about colombia unfortunately they would typically first think about what they would see on TV or in the movies. They would think about drugs, they think about kidnapping, they think about civil war and violence and guerrillas and all these things that uh, literal stereotype, literal yeah. literal stereotyping so that we, were in fact that that was the reality of Colombia in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. However, as the political situation stabilized, um, all of that started to go by the wayside, and event began to be a focus on business. In Colombia, what you would find was a almost like obsession with the business community to get out of those stereotypes and prove to the world right. that Colombian businesses were legit. They were stable. They were great places to invest and operate in. And we made that strategic decision back in 2005 to open up and focus uh, in Colombia. And we never looked back. We did Colombia before Colombia became quote unquote popular, before quote unquote got on the you know top destinations, top service delivery points and top destinations where companies need before to Before it was yeah. mature for your market, you exactly. helped pioneer exactly. some of the um, the resources there to, to help customer care. Uh, uh, yeah. How many agents are over there? We've got so so agents, there's you know fifty thousand plus agents in that country serving US and domestic needs as well as Spain. The growth in that market was really has exploded serving U.S. companies um, because of the things I just mentioned. Geographic proximity, cultural proximity, cost structure, but the quality of work that comes out of there is what made us so attractive. The proof is in the pudding. If you look today, all of the major global BPOs are just about already there or are about to be there. The ones that are not there are desperate to get in. 
Um, and so there's there's been a huge drive. It's created another set of unique challenges, but uh, as we popularly say, everyone and their mother is already there. And, and you just you got to be there. You got to operate from there. It's it's um it, it's a it's a market you can't overlook because of all those things that it just does really well. You've got you know most of the neighboring countries also compete in the same marketplace. You've got and so every Central American country does that. In South America, you've got a few countries that 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 are good delivery points into the U.S. Um, but you have to be in Colombia. If if near shore is on your roadmap, you have to be there. So <clears throat> I just. Full transparency. This is my podcast, so I can say whatever I want. I'm not sponsored. I can shoot my mouth off if I say anything that you feel like, hey, this isn't. We're in the wild. It's okay. Yeah, Everything goes. Because I want to talk about. I'm going to tap on a couple of things personally that that I I tweeted about this, and you know I see all this stuff about quiet quitting, and you know imagine if you're a person who wants a job. And you're watching all this quiet quitting social media conversation. I just think what a bad look that is for who's ever participating in that conversation. And I look at like you're talking about Colombia. There is an exact metaphor or actual example of you just said it. There was this culture that there was this perception of the marketplace and people wanted to invest in themselves and, and their work ethic or, or, or at least the awareness of it to change this perception. Now we're getting this perception of quiet quitters, which I wish we were working to fix that. But now you have this cultural trend that you've, you've been able to um, engage in to, to, to build a business. But I want to take a step to adjacent to that, which is I just got back from Africa and working in the customer experience area there and this idea there of Ubuntu of and I liken it to uh, uh, <clears throat> this warmth or, of, of empathy in the workplace or this culture that could be translated again to um, these service outcomes and I think you're going to Africa too do you see that I mean talk, can it's, you talk it's about it's such a great um segue from what we were first talking about into this next part of this conversation. So um, I think you and I are from the same generation and we would look at those that have quietly quit or, or that are currently quietly quitting. And I would, I look at them and say, wait a minute, I, I wasn't brought up to look at work and, and, and employment in that way. I was told and brought up, you work, you work your push off, you work hard, you make a career, you make it as long-term as possible. We're not quitting. When you're at your job, whether it's your own company or you're working for somebody else, you work your tush off to do a good job, to build a reputation for yourself, and you're not quitting. Whether de facto quitting or or or, or real quitting. While you're there, while you're on the on the clock, you work your tush off. You have work ethic. You gotta be proud of your work and this whole quite quitting thing of, that it's okay to show up to work and not give your best and to just kind of mail it in, that's not acceptable. I would have gotten a big spanking for that. It, it's an entertainment thing. I mean, so much of what we're seeing in, in social media is like entertainment. There's some value in it, but I agree with you. In fact, you know, it's, a, it's getting back to what you're discussing in your businesses. It's a work ethic. So for, I'll give you an example. Last night, my son, there I was, I worked all day while everybody else went out to the bars. I went right back to my hotel to work on um, some content for the industry that you thankfully introduced me to. And I wanted to get that out there. So I went back and worked. 
I was working, and right as I was wrapping up, I got a text from my son who's in college, and he said, hey, Dad, I just want to let you know I just finished my job. I got off at 9, and I'm going on to my second job uh, that I just picked up Uber or uh, uh, DoorDash. And he said, so he gets straight A's in college. He's head of the community service group for his fraternity. He works a job. He holds down a, a great relationship with uh, a young lady for his interpersonal things are doing well. And he's got this other night job. That's a work ethic. And it's not something that um, you don't pick it up from watching social media. You don't pick it up from entertainment. You either learn it and you train for it or you have a cultural or some sort of background experience that, that creates it. So you, You've raised your, your son and your kids well. They've seen it. As a reflection, they've seen it at home in their parents. They saw you working your tail off. They know that that's what is done. That's how they know you get to a certain level, hopefully, of comfort in your life. But that's just that's not a given. You don't press a button and get that. You're not. You, no one. None of us are born with a God-given right to be comfortable or to have success. You have to work at that every single day. It's just called working on your craft. And how much of that comes from your hunger? To be because I was what many people don't know about me is I was born into adversity. I wasn't. We we were we were we had food scarcity. We didn't know where we were going to live all the time. So I I came with this desire to get there. But in other markets, Colombia maybe, but also in Africa, we see these um, internal cultural or situational uh, factors that create. A work ethic that's unparalleled. It, it's so true. So I didn't want to think, forget about going back to, to what you mentioned about Africa. Yeah. So Colombia, South Africa, as well as other countries in Africa, what, what we're seeing is that there's a tremendous hunger. There is, not, not literal hunger, but there's hunger for work. There's hunger for success. There's hunger to build business. There's, there's an appetite for work. Yeah. to break traditional cycles of vast unemployment and challenges and adversity to uh, lift people out of poverty and uh, business <clears throat> cultures, societies like those that we're finding in South Africa and other African nations, they are able to provide an answer to our labor shortage. While we are spoiled in the U.S. and we say we're going to quietly quit with our actions, South Africa is proving to us, how dare we think that? You want to quietly quit? You know what? I've got for every one of your of your quiet quitters, there's ten people that are in line in South Africa that would love to have these jobs and will do it as well, if not better. And they'd be proud to do it. And proud to do it. And that's where the warmth comes. That's where the incredible opportunity comes. So our own team, we have we have a a, a, a new smaller team in South Africa that we are um, uh, growing and investing in, and that's going to be a, a, an important future of what we do. And what I've seen with my own interactions with our own team is I leave those interactions and think, wow, I have my own smile on my face. And internally, someone would say, are you crying? Out of pride, joy to see that, wow, we found an, an amazing team that's committed and I think are never going to run the risk of quiet quitting. They've got infrastructure issues down there of electrical grid and Wi-Fi and internet and things like that. That, that sometimes are endemic to, to emerging markets, those will get fixed and those can be easily addressed. But the desire to work 
and lift themselves out of whatever personal situation they may be in. They're not relinquishing their jobs because they're bored, because they're unchallenged, because they're going through the some of the, sorry for the expression, BS that we think we go through here. They take on those challenges and welcome them and need them to get over the hump. And that's why the future um, with employment, it, we have to look naturally at countries like South Africa and the neighboring countries. And, and I'll, I'll tell you this, newsflash, for anybody who's listening, I was astounded at the sophistication of customer experience. I didn't know what to expect when I went to Africa to be on the ground there. <clears throat> the leaders there are much, much more savvy than some of our trending leaders in the U.S. in terms of customer experience. Their practices have sort of gotten a little more refined and a little more scalable than some of the things we do in the U.S. And they do what they have. There's one thing there that I, I see there and I also saw in Dubai um, is the government and the business are they both have CX interests. So when your government has an interest in uh, the citizen experience and the employee experience and the labor experience and the, uh, the funding experiences, when you see the government taking a hand and caring about people at the center of decisions, that, that's transformative and it's an accelerant that we don't really have um, consistently in the U.S. Absolutely. Look, the, the barriers to access and education in places like Africa, those are gone. This is a truly global society. The people in the government and in the private sector that care about CX, they're reading the same books we are. Yeah. They're studying the same companies we are. They are attending some of the same events that we're, we're attending. They have access just like we do. And that's why they are. And the work ethic. In the work ethic. When you combine the work ethic with the exposure, they are at least as smart as we are, if not smarter. They are, mm-hmm. they have sometimes have fewer resources, but that resourcefulness propels them to be so successful. Look, um, it is a global economy now. And yeah. like it or Hello. not, yeah. like it or not, those of us in the US were, were comfortable, but our the days of where our com- companies were the de facto leaders forever in, in fields like CX, those are gonna go away quickly because of the effort, attention, and investment that uh, governments and the private sector are in, in places like South Africa are making. Our, our companies and our thought leaders, our, our business leaders have a lot to learn from these emerging markets. And if we're not careful, those will quickly overtake us as the examples of great CX, of great thought leadership, of great practical examples of what to do and how to, how, how, how to, um, how to, how to be leaders in our markets. I love that you took it there. And I want to, we sort of uh, been critiquing the industry and I want to take a step back from I mean, everybody has an opinion. We can have our own opinion. I'm sure there's equal and opposite perspectives out there. But, And I want to acknowledge all those voices. But for you, I want to bring the conversation back to you. You've expanded into Colombia. You're now expanding into Africa. And I think what's interesting would be interesting to leaders listening to for my audience is what is it what is that story like? Um, how can we follow along with you on this journey? Because I think my personal perspective and the reason I'm interested in talking to you is 
So many people will just try to sell their BPO services. They're not really inviting us into the, the industry or the, 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 the dynamic that's happening behind the scenes. It's an important topic, how we, how we respect other cultures, how we unite and collaborate um, across borders, how we build business collaboratively, how empathy and work ethic play into it. So um, I just I think what I'm stretching for there is as you go into Africa, what's on your mind? What's your what's your vision? I so appreciate this the question. And by the way, for those that are listening to this, uh, we're hopefully going to be developing some additional new, fresh, exciting content together with Dennis that um, in due time we'll, we'll, we'll push out into the marketplace and you'll be able to see and hear and get to know the voices and the faces of what we do. But that's, that's again, something to look forward to. Oh my God. So I can't believe you just said that on, 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 on uh, audio because I didn't want to pressure that, but thank you because I think these are the stories that matter behind the scenes, not the fluff. So thank Yes. All that. Let's bring the real story or a transparent story. Tell me about your vision in Africa. Here's the story. I believe that so we're operating in a free open market and there are buyers and sellers. What we're offering to the marketplace are solutions and the solutions to problems. What are the problems? How do you staff? How do you handle interactions with customers that are difficult? How do you do so in English language that is clear, that is concise, that is understandable? How do you do so in a way that is resolution-based and empathetic? How do you do so in a way that is resolution-based, empathetic, that meets staffing requirements, allows customers' problems to be handled quickly and efficiently, and most importantly, have a cost that works within the appropriate ranges of where they need to be for it to be effective for businesses. Yeah, scale. Scale. But it's got to have a cost component also. And, and can I throw one other thing? And I tell you, I but with the resiliency, what I like about your system is you're not susceptible to uh, uh, natural disasters or economic exactly. conditions as well. Sorry. Just it, it, exactly. Came to my mind. The, the things that in a, a market like South Africa offer, it checks the box of solution, providing solutions to the problems of that we just described. Resiliency. Um, we're able to staff. We're able to retain because people there are not quite quitting. They're not quitting just because uh, there's something else better to do around the corner. Right. These jobs are important for them. They 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 are needed, and um, the people that we train and staff to work in these positions are motivated. They're empathetic. They're oriented towards service, and they care. When you provide the collection of those things, you're able to actually provide great customer experiences that are, like I said, we'll have enough people staffed so that. The queue of customers that are waiting online to have their phone calls answered or their chats answered or their emails answered or, or their tweets answered. We have the people, the number of people to answer them in the speed of time that customers require. Rather than waiting, you know, two and a half weeks to get a, an email answered, we can do so in 24 hours or less. Uh, chats answered in two minutes or less. Phone calls answered within 30 seconds or less in a way that is empathetic and that resolves. Yeah. And when you can do that, and do it in a way that's cost effective, it's a winner. Everybody benefits. Now, add on top of that the social component, which is that you are creating employment opportunities for a country in a region that has been looking to uh, emerge and develop and move from being considered you know, a, a fifth-class citizen in poverty to a global economic powerhouse like South Africa's plan. 
it's an incredible social impact that companies can contribute by saying, yes, we want to work with Callzilla. Yes, we want to place our, our, our contact center operations in South Africa. Yes, we believe in it. There are huge votes of confidence to achieve all those things, both in a business perspective and a social perspective. So if I'm a CEO or a business leader who who relates to what your your ideas of a global economy, empowering a workforce of people who feel like they want to work and um, scaling from a cost operational perspective, how do people get in touch with you? Quite easy. My email, ntopf at causala.cx. Uh, I can give out my cell phone number, call me, text me, chat with me, whatever it is, 786-252-5620. And you can, you can flash that or post that or whatever it is. I'm very easy to get in touch with. I'm on LinkedIn all day long. I'm on Twitter, uh, at Neil Toff. There's a million ways to find me. Uh, I would love to have conversation. I'd love to talk. I'd love to have conversations. And I'd love to understand what it is that companies are going through. Hear the unique stories. Because we're solution providers. And nine times out of ten, we're able to provide the solutions that companies are going through. The, the pain points are mostly common. They are, I can't staff, I can't retain my people, it's too expensive for me to staff and to train, um, I don't have the technology to do it, I don't have, it's not in my core, it's on my wheelhouse, it's not my core business, I'm good at, I'm a product marketer or product manufacturer, but I have trouble serving my customers. Can you help us? I love that, I love that you're giving a, a, a sharp point on, on what people can come to you to talk to you about in terms of making customer experience better and and getting better outcomes for their business. But I also suggest that people reach out to you to talk about the business of expanding globally, learning from what you've done, because I think your expertise is, I think you have a new level of expertise in, in terms of how to empower markets, empower the customers, empower businesses in a symbiotic way that is scaling globally. And almost every leader that I ever speak to has questions in that area. So your Twitter handle is at, at Neil Top N E A L T O P F all together, no spaces, no uppercases, no nothing, no no underscores. At Neil Top, that's that's on Twitter. I think it's the same on LinkedIn. I think you'll, when you post this, hopefully it'll be a, you'll tag me on there. Click on it, friend me, connect. I don't understand the difference between in, invitations to connect and following on LinkedIn. Whether the, your favorite thing is to follow or to connect, I, I'm open. I'm an open networker and love to awesome. interact with people. Neil, more to be more to be said as we go on this adventure together. Um, thank you for being on CX in the Wild. And I almost feel like we need to have a spinoff, a Neil podcast that just documents the journey. But thank you for being on the show. Dennis, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I look forward to this being posted. And anyone that wants to connect, please do so. If you're, you're clearly, if you're listening to this, you're following Dennis, but Dennis's workout, the work that he's putting out there and generating is absolutely outstanding. Follow his stuff, click uh -huh. on it, like it, subscribe to it. Uh, I'm a huge fan as well. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this edition of CX in the Wild. If you've enjoyed the show today, please share it with someone else who appreciates this kind of original content. And be sure to visit DennisWakabayashi.com to catch up with Dennis or find out where we're going to be on our next CX in the Wild adventure.